to the Mind Your Hormones podcast. My name's Corinne, and I'm a board-certified holistic nutritionist who went from no period from mismanaged PCOS to a regular one. Now, I'm obsessed with helping you get hormonally balanced and emotionally aligned. This podcast is all about education, empowerment, real talk, and simple strategies you could start today to find inner peace and overall well-being. I am so excited to be here with you to chat about all things health, hormones, and mindset. Are you ready? Let's get it. Holy moly, I am so excited for you to hear today's interview with Effia Salter, who is so incredible. I was not expecting all the different angles that we took on today's show together, and it was absolutely incredible. We talked a lot about manifestation, and if you are someone right now who you're like, oh, manifestation is woo, or I've tried, it doesn't work, like... I have been in the world of manifestation for years, and this conversation shifted me in so many ways because of the way that Afia really describes manifestation, and she gives five tips, five tangible steps, not even tips, steps that you can actually take to start your manifestation process in your own way, and I'm telling you, she dropped so many bombs in there where I had to cut her off. I was like, wait a second, We need to go back and talk about this because it really shifted me and she explains things in a way that I've never heard before that was really able to actually sink in. So I cannot wait for you to hear this. We also talked a lot about anxiety and depression and her journey with it. She also experienced endometriosis. So we get into that. So first of all, I'm just so excited you're here. But first, if you don't even know who I'm talking about, let me give you a little intro to our guest today, Afia Salter, who she is a mindset and manifestation coach. She is the host of the Manifest Edit podcast, and she has created this method called Vibes, and it really helps you find aligned manifestation in your life. And her mission is all about empowering and teaching ambitious women how to stop freaking playing small, how to get into out of their own way and really access their innate magic so they can expand their current reality. And the journey that Afia has been on is so incredible that she actually shared this. The things that she has overcome, she was she's really just a practical example of her work actually playing out in real time because she was orphaned at 14. Um, she, she goes into the story. So definitely listen to that. She also struggled with chronic pain and mental illness. And she moved from Scotland over to Australia and she started healing herself and started building this soul aligned life and business. And she has inspired thousands of people around the world to create their lives by their design and how they wish to live it all as a testimony to how she has created her life out of such immense struggle. So I cannot wait for you to hear this. She is, like I said, she's a manifestation coach and she really highlights the strategy portion of it, the science of it, and the spirituality behind manifestation. She grew up practicing Buddhism. So she has a re talk a lot about manifestation and how I'm mean, not manifestation. Yes, that too, but I meant meditation and how she grew up with meditation tips on how to cultivate that. I mean, 
We got into so many different topics. I am not even going to keep you any longer because I cannot wait for you to hear this episode. All the links of everything that we talked about, her Instagram, her podcast, her free uh, video series, all of it is in the show notes. Please check her out. I cannot wait for you to hear this episode. If it resonates with you, I would love to hear your takeaways. Tag us both on Instagram with anything that you really felt that shifted you. And I know something in here is going to land for you in a way that it hasn't before. And I'm really excited for it. So here we go. Let's dive into today's interview with Afia. Afia, welcome to the Mind Your Hormones podcast. Thank you so much for being here and taking the time to chat with us today. I cannot wait to speak to you. Yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to our chat today. Yay. Okay. So for those people who don't know you, can you just give us a little background on who you are, what you do, how you got into this space, all the things? Sorry, I think I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, that's the worst. Okay. Um, yeah. So I've been a mindset and manifestation coach now for the past couple of years. And really what led me into this journey is a variety of different things. One of which being that I grew up Buddhist. And so I'd always had a little bit of a different upbringing growing up at a Tibetan Buddhist center. And I guess it was just like a different way of life, which I didn't really realize until I went into high school. I was like, oh, we're doing things that not not all of my friends are doing. Mm -hmm. And then also growing up, it was quite a turbulent time for me going through the care system, um, which led to a point where, unfortunately, although I did get adopted, my adoptive parent passed away when I was 14. So then at age 14, my brother, my sister and I were all orphaned and that left kind of the big question in the air of whether we would go back into the care system or not and as my sister and I were significantly older being 14 and 15 like the prospects of going into back into care at that age don't look great and we lived in a very rural town as well so there's not that many foster carers around so it would mean that we would have to uproot our whole lives to go back into the care system. Wow and where sorry where where did you grow up? Um, in in Scotland, in a really small town in the borders of Scotland, yeah. Okay. I always okay. people always ask to know the name, and I'm like, you're you're not gonna know where it is. Right. <laughs> Scotland is good enough. <gasps> yeah. Um. So yeah, we really were unsure what was gonna happen at that point, but luckily, um, one of my friends' mums ended up taking my sister and I in until we went to university. So for the next three years. We stayed in our same home, went to the same school. And in my mind, you know, I just wanted things to continue as normal, but it very quickly became apparent that things weren't normal. And I was just, you know, trying to make my life something that it wasn't in order to Mm -hmm. keep up with my friends and feel like I had the same as everyone else. And it got to a point when I realized that that belief had served me to a point, that belief had allowed me to make it through school, get to uni. But ultimately, I didn't just want to have a normal life. I wanted to have an extraordinary life. And I Mm. did want to follow a different path and see what was actually out there for me beyond the path I felt like I needed to follow. Wow. So yeah, in the work that I do now is about helping other women connect to their truth and also access that innate magic that we all have inside of us to manifest the lives that they truly want to live and also build that courage and that confidence to share the gifts that they want to share with the world on a much deeper level. Yeah. Wow. That's so amazing. Thank you for sharing all of that. Um, so much there to dive into. So you grew up, um, Buddhist, right? From your adoptive parents. Is that who taught you Buddhism? Yeah. So initially we were actually Christian, but when we were eight, we moved to basically next door to a a, a Tibetan monastery. So from that age, we, we were Buddhist. 
Okay. So, and what, what does that look like? What are some of the practices that you grew up doing in a Buddhist culture that maybe kind of guided you to where you're at right now? So definitely the experience of taking refuge, which is when you commit to becoming a Buddhist and it's like a whole, like a day long process of going through these, uh, well, I don't want to say spiritual teachings, but Buddhist teachings and practices, regularly going to the temple to meditate and all of these like sacred pieces of land nearby as well. I remember there was like this one tree as well, where you would like tie your wishes to the tree. And that was you like basically like manifesting what you wanted to have for the year and that was something that seemed like so normal to us but then when I take like friends from high school to visit I'm like and here's the tree and they're like what (laughs) what is this wow that's so cool so you started meditating at a young age then yeah yeah from like nine ten that's amazing I I've been meditating I don't know maybe like a decade now but I think it's so amazing that in the Buddhist culture, you do that at a young age. Imagine how differently things could be if everybody started meditating at that age. So when you, um, you had your new, you know, foster parents, you were living with your friends, parents, did you continue those practices or was it something that you kind of got away from because no one else was really, you know, practicing them? I think it was something that began to fall to the wayside. Like when my mom got sick um, because there was less kind of focus on those things and we would spend most of our weekends because at this point like the past like year of my mom's life she was quite unwell so she was basically living at the hospital so we would spend like our weekends going to visit her at the hospital and because we grew up in a really small town the hospital was like two hours away which was like three buses after school to get there wow. so there wasn't really a lot of time for anything else Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's wild. Well, again, thank you for sharing all of that. And I'm sure that through that process and, you know, with losing a parent and then, you know, growing up in a house that was, you know, your friend's house, you know, you felt like you didn't feel normal, you didn't fit in, you know, did you experience any, um, anxiety or depression or, you know, how did you like, you know, really navigate that time at such a young age, because there's people listening right now who are maybe going through that at an older age. Doesn't mean it's any, you know, easier, harder, whatever it is, but what were there any, was there anything that you did to help yourself through that time? I'd say one thing that I did that did not help myself was not really dealing with anything. Like Mm. I just didn't face my grief because I didn't really know how to process it. I didn't really have any friends around me who had experienced anything similar obviously my sister and I both wanted to like maintain this illusion of things being normal. So never really processed the grief at the point in which it happened. And then over that year and a half, two years, a series of things happened. My mom's, uh, my adoptive mom's parent passed away six months later. And then my friend at school passed away a year after that. So it was like grief on top of grief on top of grief. And I was like, I can't let myself go there. And I think one of the major reasons why I had this belief was because we did have people at school and their mom had passed away and they'd taken a month maybe six weeks off of school and then when they came back they began to fall behind in all their classes and I just had this like fear of like oh if I fall behind in all my classes then I'm not going to get into uni if I don't get into uni then what am I going to do so I was like I just can't go there so like for me achieving and being good at school being good at uni was something that on the outset looked like a really great thing like she's doing so well she's getting such good grades but for me it led me to put an immense amount of pressure on myself and then also in the background I was experiencing severe anxiety and depression as well and to people who haven't had anxiety they're like oh like what does it feel like but for me it's 
always that like pervasive sense of something terrible is going to happen and really wanting to control the outcomes of situations in order to feel that sense of safety. But even if you do control those outcomes and manipulate those outcomes, you don't feel more safe. It's just like, okay, now like, where's the next plate that I need to like keep spinning? So for anyone who is going through that now, know that you're going to experience like such a range of emotions and it's going to maybe at times feel like you are really far away from yourself but often you have to let yourself go to the places that are far away from yourself in order to process your grief. And I find even now I'm 28, so 14 years later, like grief comes up for me at the most like random times. Like I'll be watching a film and they're like doing something with their mom and I'm like, oh, I didn't get to do that or Mother's Day or things all roll around and it's just like, oh, this again. And every time it's like that kind of sigh of like, Um, you know, grief kind of comes in those waves. So it's never Mm. fully gone and you never get to a point where you're like fully okay with it. It's like different things will activate you at certain points. And I think now I'm at a place where, although it's not necessarily less difficult, I'm more at peace with it. Wow. That's such a good explanation of it. And so helpful for people because it is, it's really true that, you know, whether they're in school and feel like they'll fall behind or they're in life and they're like, well, you know what? I have a job. I have kids. I can't really process this. You know, there's always those things that go on. So if you were to, um, you know, you said that now it came up anxiety wise came up for you of feeling like you need to control everything and that you were just afraid that something was going to happen. And I feel like that's a very, uh, a lot of people probably deal with that emotion. So, um, now I know then you maybe didn't do it, but if you, in hindsight, or if you were going to tell someone, you know, ways that maybe now you help support that is anxiety or anything, still something that comes up for you that you, you know, always have to just try and, um, I don't want to say manage, but, you know, tools that you do to help support yourself through that now. So depression is definitely something I experience a lot less, but anxiety is something that I experience pretty regularly, but just not at the same level as I did before. So I am daily doing energy management practices for my anxiety. I meditate every day. I journal every day. Mm -hmm. I go to acupuncture once a week. I go to the gym three times a week. And I think it's important to have a combination of those like more mindset based practices and then also like physical practices to like physically transmute that energy. Cause when you've got all this anxious energy in your body, it kind of needs somewhere to go. So for me, moving it through like the gym as an outlet or even through acupuncture or cupping is like a way that the energy actually gets to leave your body. So I know for some people that may look like breath work, meditation, mm-hmm. um, it's, you really get a chance to see like what works for you. And I never want to say one thing will absolutely work for everyone because that's totally. not necessarily the case. But I think taking mindful moments where the meditation for you looks like sitting for 10 minutes in um, with music on or whether that's like walking around outside. Some people find the idea of like, you know, sitting in silence can be like re-triggering for some people. So mm-hmm. meditation can also be a walk outside. Meditation can be some time to yourself in the shower. It looks different for everyone. I love that. Yeah. And because meditation is a lot of people have resistance around it because they think it has to be sitting on the floor, Indian style silence, you know, like it doesn't have some, it could look like that, but doesn't have to look like that. And I'm so curious because I mean, there's so many studies about med- um, meditation and how it really supports every single area of your life. But as someone who grew up with it, how was it taught to you? In what kind of a way was meditation taught to you at that age in from the Buddhist culture? So I think the way it was taught to me and the way that I perceived it were definitely different. (laughs) And when my perception of it at that time was that 
meditation is like the lack of thought you don't think anything when you're meditating it's just like nothingness it's just empty which is a place like I've never been to that place ever and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm me sure some like <laughs> super enlightened people maybe that exists but yeah so at a young age I'm like oh no another thought oh no thought and like would follow that train and so when I revisited meditation when I was a lot older I had that same thought but then I actually did my research into it I'm like oh it's actually not being devoid of thought it's just like letting those thoughts pass by and not attaching any meaning or excess emotion to them so Mm -hmm. to me now my meditation practice looks like maybe I'll go into it with a mantra maybe I'll go into it with something like I'm thinking about like a problem I want to work through and I'm just going to be like focusing on that and like oh I need guidance on this challenge or I'll go into it and say like universe or higher self show me what I need to see or guide me on this like um, journey. I love that. Wow. It's so good. That was amazing. Okay. Thank you for that. So, okay. So you were in Scotland and then you went to university and I know now you're in Australia. So what kind of happened in between that time from being in Scotland, how you got to Australia? I know you also struggled with some chronic illnesses. So was that in between that time? From like my early teenage years was, in fact, I would say like my late teenage years. So when I went to uni was when I first started experiencing um, pain from my chronic illness. And at that time, I didn't know what it was. And I was going to a lot of doctors saying I'm like experiencing quite severe pain. And I also think that this impacted like my anxiety and depression because I was like, something's wrong, but I don't know what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I couldn't control the way that I was feeling. So it was impacting me having this like, I don't know what's wrong in the background. And everyone's saying like, you're fine when I, I knew deep down yes. that I wasn't. And so it actually took seven years to get a diagnosis for my endometriosis and getting pushed back at so many points. I think the average diagnosis is seven or eight years because Mm -hmm. it's so under-researched and people are like, well, because it can be linked to your periods, people are like, well, this is just a normal part of period pain or just take some ibuprofen or something like that. And so you know, it gets to a point where you also begin to gaslight yourself. You're like, well, if they're saying it's not that serious, I'm obviously like, but it was, it was, and I was getting to that point where I was gaslighting myself, but it was my partner at the time was like, this is affecting you like really badly. Like I remember once we were on holiday, we were in Barcelona and then out of nowhere, I had um, an endo flare up and I literally felt like I couldn't walk and was like crying all the way to the pharmacy. And he's like, you have to do something about this. Wow. And at this point I was living in Australia, which I guess we can go back to. I was already living in Australia. So when I went back, I felt like the healthcare that I got there was was so much better. And I Wait, guess in Australia, because, yeah, I guess because the UK is very stretched because of the free healthcare, um, and maybe just like a lack of understanding around what indoor women's health problems were actually were. But every doctor I saw in Australia was so understanding and was so helpful. Wow, that's and amazing. Yes. And every doctor that I went to, they're like, if one test came back inconclusive, they're like, okay, let's try something else. Let's try something else. Whereas in the UK, they were like, okay, it's not that you're free to just go about your life. Sounds like the US. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, but wait. And they would just have me cycling through so many different birth control pills. And I'm like, this Mm. is not working. Um, Don't even get me started. (laughs) Yeah. It was just a nightmare. So coming here as well, I did um, so I, while I, they have like subsidized, subsidized healthcare here, if you're from the UK, but I did pay for like a couple of private consultations and those were really helpful. And I think if you have the money to invest in private healthcare, even if it's just like, you know, one or two consultations with a specialist that it's, it's just so worth it for the peace of mind. Yeah. <clears throat> 
And I remember they'd recommended me to this one place to get an internal ultrasound, which was covered in the like the subsidized healthcare. And it came back that everything was fine. And then my gyno was like, no, I don't, I'm not happy with this. I want to get a second opinion. I'm going to refer you to my wife. And then his wife did the ultrasound, internal ultrasound. And she was like, yeah, this is stage four endo. And this is like one of the worst I've ever seen. Oh my gosh. <gasps> wow. Okay. That is so amazing. It's it's comforting to hear that other places in Australia, other doctors will go the extra mile and actually help you. Cause it sounds like your experience in the UK is very similar to what happens here. I work with women who have endometriosis, PCOS, irregular periods, all those things all the time. And like you said, it's something they've been experiencing for sometimes a decade until they really find the answers of it. So I know that that's something that so many women struggle with. So is that, so what was, once you got diagnosed with this endometriosis, how did you, you know, Matt, I'm assuming you maybe didn't do a lot of medication. It sounds like that wasn't something that you were really interested in. So what did you do moving forward for that? So I decided that I wanted to go the surgery route because it had gone, it had gotten to a point where I was so severe. I had already tried like different birth control pills. And I was getting to the point where I like, I'm like, I'm just exhausted now. This is like really affecting my life on a daily basis. And so the surgery to go private was something like $5,000, which is a lot of money when you're not used to like paying for healthcare. And they're like, we can put you on the public health list where the surgery would be completely free. You're probably going to have to wait like a year though. And I'm like, okay, mm. well just put me on the waiting list. And then about two months later, I got a letter about a cancellation. They're like, can you be ready next week? And I was like, yes. Wow. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so that was like, it was like such a blessing and the hospital that I went to the women's health hospital in Melbourne was so so amazing like I just felt like they had such a good quality of care and it was something that I was extremely nervous to do as well obviously I don't have any family over here I didn't really want to like invite my friends to like come to the hospital with me yeah. so it was something that I, I did like quite alone and I remember I was like I never had surgery for anything before. And the anesthetist is like holding my hand. She's like, don't worry, we'll protect your eyelash extensions. I was like, thank you. (laughs) She gets it. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it was, it was kind of a positive experience in that everyone was so nice, but then it, there was some complications in the surgery and that it was meant to be a few hours and ended up being like eight hours and I'm like, okay. And it was meant to be, I was just meant to be in there overnight, but I ended up in staying in hospital for three, three, four nights in the end. Um, and at one point they sent me home with a catheter, a catheter because I still couldn't pee properly after the surgery. Uh, so that was, that was You're not like, ideal this either. Interesting. Yeah, they're like, just wear a long skirt. I'm like, I can't be walking around. It's just like a gather on my leg. What are you talking about? I don't own a long skirt. <laughs> so yeah. Um, oh my gosh. And then yeah. how, how did you do after the surgery? Is it something that, you know, stayed away? Did you have to change anything in your diet or anything like that? So initially after the surgery, it did feel like things had improved, but then over time, it's kind of felt like they are similarly back to where they were. And at the point where mm-hmm. I did have the surgery and I went for that six month checkup, they're like, 
the my doctor was like okay so just like when the pain begins to become unmanageable again then we'll book you in for your next surgery and I was like I can't go through this like she's like normally it's like every few years and I'm like I don't want to have surgery every few years like one surgery was traumatic enough Mm -hmm. so I already decided like at that point like I am not going back for another surgery I don't want to do it I don't want to put myself through that and so right now I guess I use a combination of both like western and eastern medicine so I will see like my western doctor for like taking my blood tests blah 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 etc but she did actually recommend me to seeing an acupuncturist to see a naturopath and so now I see my naturopath once a week and we'll do acupuncture and cupping and I take like natural um herbs and supplements and stuff to support that as well so I am in a bit of a flare-up period at the moment because I've been feeling anxious anxiety affects the endo endo Mm. affects the anxiety Mm. it's a cycle um but I feel very supported by you know the people that are in my life to help with my healthcare and I've always said that to me like investing in my healthcare and well-being whether it's like massages cupping acupuncture it's it's a priority for me like it's not just like a luxury it's it's a priority for me so that Mm -hmm. I can feel my best and especially if I'm experienced you know it's not just the the pain but it's the fatigue and all the other things that come with it so whatever I can do to make life feel brighter I'm I'm definitely going to do that I love that I love that so much because a lot of people will put health They'll say it's top of their list, but then when it comes to something where maybe they have to take time out weekly to go somewhere or have to pay extra money, they will be hesitant to it because women especially have such a hard time receiving and giving themselves what they actually need. So I love that you're an example of that and that you talked about acupuncture. I've been also, I'm a lover of acupuncture. It's so incredible. And a lot of times now in the US anyway, a lot of insurance companies do cover it, which is awesome. But, you know, even if it doesn't, like you said, it's just, it's something that, especially if you have endometriosis, if you have irregular periods, low fertility, anything, anxiety, like anything it could really, really help with. So that's amazing. I love that you did that and that you are combining Eastern and Western medicine, which is so incredible. So, okay, let's kind of switch gears a little bit. I know obviously you are a manifestation coach and there's a lot, you know, now manifestation is like all of a sudden, like a buzzword almost. So I would love for you to describe manifestation in your own words and how you teach your clients to tap into their own form of manifestation. I believe that manifestation is the process of taking something immaterial to the material. So Mm. if you've heard the expression thoughts become things, I think there's a lot of context that often gets lost when we hear this online. And obviously Instagram, you've only got so many characters, you've only got so much video space. So (laughs) really what the process of thoughts become things looks like is you have this idea or a wish or a hope or something like in your head, in your mind that you would like to happen. Everything that happens in between from the belief work to the action to spiritual practices that are aligning you with believing it's possible, with putting you out there for the opportunities, with actually going out there and doing it is manifestation. So manifestation is a combination of all of those things. And also what's important to note at this point is like the spiritual practices that we do are to help us feel closer to the universe and feel more aligned to the universe than not to prove to the universe, okay, I've done all of these things. So now I deserve it. Mm. It's more about aligning ourselves. So we feel like I'm ready to go there or I believe that it's possible. 
I love that. And so for, for people who will say like, oh, like, you know, thoughts to things that's not real or that's woo woo when actually it's, it's science. Like it's just, it's the form of energy. How can you respond to that for someone who maybe is resistant to it or think that it's, you know, not actually tangible or based on science or anything like that? How do you go about you know, speaking, not convincing, because you're never going to convince anybody, but how can you just go about speaking to that? It really is, you know, energy is everything. Energy is everywhere. So it's not something that's, you know, quote unquote, woo woo. Well, we're all manifesting all of the time, whether we're aware of it or not. You know, when I first learned about manifestation and conscious manifestation, I was like, okay, I'm going to start manifesting. And then it was like, wait, I'm already manifesting. So it's not about starting to manifest. It's just about bringing more of a conscious awareness to what I'm subconsciously doing. Like Mm. you think that your conscious awareness is everything that that there is. Your conscious awareness is like 5% of what's truly going on in your life. So if you've ever noticed like, oh, I say I'm going to do things and then I feel like I sabotage myself or I say that I'm going to do things, but deep down, that's not how I truly feel or how I truly believe, even though that's what I want to believe. Like, why is that? Well, that's because your subconscious mind is not on board with where you're going. And until you build that relationship with your subconscious mind, you're not actually going to know what's going on at the core of who you are. Like our conscious Mm. mind can be, we can say so many things at a conscious level and we can want and we can have dreams at a conscious level that feel very true for us, but it's your subconscious mind that's actually responsible for carrying out those behaviors and aligning your beliefs so that it's possible. So, you know, you can read tons of psychology books about the relationship between the subconscious mind and about why shadow work is called shadow work, because we don't have an awareness over our um, subconscious patterns and programming. And I find it very fascinating, but obviously, you know, Mm. most people don't want to like spend hours researching the the psychology. (laughs) So just know from like a neuroscience point of view that it's not just something that people say to be like, oh, this sounds cute. I'm just going to like manifest it. It's actually like a very in-depth process that is about building a deeper relationship with yourself. And why wouldn't you want to build a deeper relationship with yourself? Exactly. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you said that. I'm actually in this course right now about subconscious, like rewiring the subconscious. And it is fascinating to learn that, like you said, I think it's like over 90% of your behaviors and the, the actions you take are from your subconscious, which is so crazy. So how I know there are a lot of modalities like you know, tapping and, and breath work and all these things to rewire your subconscious. And I do believe it's something that you could do part of it on your own for sure. But obviously if you want to do it at a rap, more rapid pace, working with someone is a really great way to do that. So, um, how are, what are some ways that maybe you started tapping into your subconscious and really uh, unraveling that? Cause again, it's your subconscious. We don't even know we're really believing these things or thinking that we have these limiting beliefs. Okay, I hope that you are loving this conversation with Afia. We get into so much more juicy details where I literally was just completely shifted in the moment. So I cannot wait for you to continue this episode. But before we do get back to it, I want to let you know of a completely free resource I have for you that I think you're really, really going to love if you haven't heard me talk about it yet. So as you know, I'm all about supporting our cyclical nature, making sure that we are supporting every single phase of 
of our cycle nutritionally, movement-wise, lifestyle-wise, productivity-wise, all the things. So I created a free resource for you. It is the Cycle Phases and Productivity Chart, where I go through every single phase of your cycle, how our brain is changing throughout the month, throughout every single week, and how we can shift what we're doing in our business, in our career, in our relationships, in our life to support where our fluctuating hormones are at from a productivity standpoint. Not to be like, oh, so you could get more shit done and just go, 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 but really so you could feel more aligned with what you're doing. You could also, of course, be more efficient and productive, which who doesn't want to do that? And more so really just feeling more aligned with what you're doing and capitalizing on the strengths that we naturally have in each phase and the gifts that we're naturally given in each phase. So if you want this chart, again, it's totally free. You could text me the word cycle chart to 516 430-5144 and you will get the download. It's super amazing. It's very comprehensive of me going through every phase, but it's also, I made it super easy. So it's a one sheeter. You can see every phase. You can see the tasks that are most important to capitalize on in each phase. And I think you're really going to love it. So again, text me the word cycle chart to 516 516- Four three zero five one four four. And if, if you have any issues, you could always message me on Instagram at Corinne Angelica. If you're out of the U.S. and you can't text me that, and I will get it to you because I know you're gonna love it. So now let's get back to the episode with Afia. Journaling is something that is so simple that not enough people do. And I remember mm-hmm. when I first heard about journaling, I was like, I'm in my twenties. I'm too old for a dear diary. <laughs> <laughs> but then when I actually got into it I was like wait this is amazing and amazing. actually at the time I was going through a breakup and it was allowing me to process my emotions around the breakup but what I find very fascinating about journaling is that your conscious mind is writing the questions but your subconscious mind is answering those questions so mm. if you want to start building that relationship it's like we're asking ourselves questions all the time whether we realize it or not like oh why am I so rubbish why do I never get anything done why is it never working why am I always attracting these kinds of people we're asking ourselves like negative questions on a consistent basis so what would happen if you were to ask yourself questions that were actually conducive to your success and see what answers come up for you and while on a conscious level you may be like oh I know why sometimes you'll be writing and you're like wait that's why I actually think that's what I really think like the amount of breakthroughs I have when I'm journaling is is wild and also the Same. fact that you can look back over it and see the patterns in the way that you believe in the way that you think Yeah. Oh my God. I love it. We are so aligned in so many things. I'm a huge journaler. It's, it's like therapy for me. It really, really is because I feel like I process through journaling. Like you said, you really notice things and, and it doesn't have to be anything crazy. I mean, now I could sit and journal for like an hour and not even know the time passed, but it could, you could start small. And like you said, I, I love how you said, instead of asking all those questions that are framed for negative outcome kind of an answer to just switch the questions you're asking and see what comes up and just allow it to come up and process that way. So I love that. Journaling, I think is an amazing tool as well. And I practice it all the time. Um, so, okay. Connecting with yourself, connecting with the universe, obviously that's part of manifestation. Like you said, you know, why wouldn't you want to connect more with yourself? So how can we connect more with ourselves and, and move away from the energy of 
waiting for manifestations because a lot of times we're like, okay, this is what I want to manifest. And like, this is what I'm focusing on. And then they're kind of like waiting for like, okay, when's it going to come? When's it going to come? And obviously that's the energy they're putting out. And that's, so that's not really going to work, but how can we really move away from the energy of waiting for a manifestation or having a negative belief around it and, and raise our vibration to be a match for what we actually desire? So a couple of things here. Number one is that we're always waiting for something. So what do you want your waiting experience to be like? And I like to compare it to the idea of transport. Like, do you want to be waiting outside a bus shelter or do you want to be waiting in a first class lounge? I would love to be waiting in a first class lounge. So I'm making that experience as I'm doing my daily practices and these daily practices are lending themselves to multiple manifestations. At any given time, I'm manifesting multiple things. People are like, well, how many things can I manifest at once? I'm like, there is no limit on it. While Mm -hmm. I'm consciously thinking of like three things that I'm manifesting, I also have a, a, like a book that's filled with my lifetime goals that I'm manifesting in the back background and actually last year I ticked off a few of them and I was like oh I wasn't even like putting my attention and my awareness to this but I'm manifesting it on autopilot because my subconscious is on board with these things as I'm doing the work for the other things so know like what kind of waiting experience are you creating for yourself because that's primarily where we're spending our whole life like yeah you you manifest what you want but it isn't just like it stops there then you're going on to the next thing so you have to make that in between period as not even exciting, but like relaxing and blissful and calm and like just creating like this retreat environment for yourself in between those waiting spaces and know that everyone else is waiting too. It's not just you like, oh, I'm alone and waiting for what I want. Like we're all waiting for different things. Some of those things may take longer. Some of those things may feel like they come more quicker, but ultimately nothing happens overnight. It's just because the groundwork has been laid for things that sometimes they happen quicker. So that was what I would say to the waiting room piece. And then in terms of building belief and shifting limiting beliefs, I actually created a five-step framework for aligned manifestation. And this came from one of my own failed experiences. So in 2016 was when I first started really getting into conscious manifestation. I created my first vision board. I was doing all these practices. I was like telling anyone who has listened, I was like, we have to do this. We are changing our lives. Okay. Um, <laughs> to be fair, some people did get on board with me. Some people were like, mm, you're crazy. Now they're coming back. Like, can you tell exactly. us? About my like, I told How you, are you, doing I told it? you guys. Uh, but so in 2018, I decided to create my second vision board and I was like okay like I know what I'm doing manifestation queen second vision board (laughs) at me and it was a different experience and I looked back on it a couple of years later none of the things on that vision board had manifested like not one single one had manifested Mm. and when I looked at that vision board I realized that I didn't actually resonate with the things that I'd put on there like I put them on there to like make me look good or oh yeah. this is where I should be at in my life or this is what I'm supposed to do but like on a soul level like they didn't resonate with who I was the two years later and they hadn't resonated at that time either wow. so what I realized at that point was okay, like the way that manifestation is being presented is, is about the process of wanting and having, but we're not placing enough emphasis on being. So with my vibes method for aligned manifestation, the first step of that is embodying the vibe of your higher self. And to embody the vibe of your higher self, you need to know who you actually are right now and what your values are. Is that in alignment with where you're going? And like, what is actually that distance from where you are right now to where you want to be? 
And you have to get so clear on your values, your vision, even the kind of like legacy that you want to leave. Because if you don't, then you'll find yourself falling into the trap that I fell into, that so many people fall into of like, this is what I should be doing, or this is what I'm supposed to do. So I guess Mm. I'll say, this is what I want. And it isn't truly. The reason people struggle to say, this is what I want is because we've spent so long pandering to other people's wants and desires that we've forgotten to listen to our own. And, And I think when you can get on board with that, that really changes the way that you manifest because your higher self is not like the current version of you is crap and is rubbish and you you're just like nothing as you are now it's like who I am right now is a result of all of these like learned behaviors and these learned ways of being that I felt like I had to be in order to be palatable or be accepted so I may not actually be in alignment with who I truly was before the world told me who I needed to be so it's about like ooh, like what would I be like if I actually just return to myself so to me like a higher self is that's like a return home it's not like you need to be someone different it's like let's just go back let's peel the layers back let's take off anything that doesn't fit and let's come home wow Um, oh my god wait there's so much in there (laughs) like you just (laughs) dropped so many bombs I'm like oh my god hold on a second that is incredible that mixed with the whole waiting I've never heard it described that way and that was really like a light bulb moment for me about first of all, how you're waiting, like, what do you want your experience to be? Which I feel like also kind of ties into what you just said about coming home to who you are, who do you actually want to be in this waiting game and just in your life in general, which is really incredible because I feel like, like you said, especially now with social media and just everything, we see what we see, everyone's highlight reel. And you feel like that's how you have to do it. Oh, they're successful. That's that must be the way to be successful or, Oh, she's healthy. That must be the way to be healthy. And it really just puts such a a resistance around us because you're not allowing your true self to come out. So I love how you described, first of all, the waiting situation, which was so amazing. I'm now going to be envisioning like, how do I want to be waiting for the manifestations instead of thinking that, Oh, like, and trying to hurry it and rush it. It's like just adding more anxiety to your life, which is not going to help at all. And, um, peeling back the layers because it's not like a new version of you, which a lot of people will say, Oh, a new version of you, which I kind of is, but I like the way you said it better about it's, it's you before, what did you say? It's you before the world told you, told you who it thought you should be. Wow. That's really good. And I think it puts so much of the power back in your hands when you're like, oh, I, I am a powerful being. And even if you're at a stage now where you feel like, oh, I'm like never manifesting anything that I want. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like everything in your life up until this point, you have manifested. And if you're thinking like, oh, there's so many like rubbish things. Well, you still had the power to call all of those things in. So that still means you're powerful. Let's just redirect that energy so that it's going to like more of the things that you do want. Like really the people who should be worried are the people who are manifesting the great things all the time. How are they going to redirect that energy? They should be scared of you. (laughs) Oh my God. That's so good. It is because people think that their life, their current circumstances are the result of life coming at them, right? It's like, oh, this is just how my life is or bad things always happen to me and da, da, da. And that's not to say that, you know, negative things don't happen to you, right? I know you talk about the law of polarity as well, which is something we could get into also, but that's so great. It's like anything you're experiencing now, you had part of it bringing it to you in certain ways. So let's redirect that. That's so amazing. 
Yeah, I think all about bringing that kind of sense of radical responsibility, self-compassion, and then also that willingness to to change things as well. Even if you are not responsible for those beliefs, you are the only one who has the power to change them. And if life up until this point is not turned out exactly the expected it to, this isn't like now like, oh, let's bring up all of this guilt and shame and how could I do this to myself? It's like, that was then, this is now, let's see where we're going. Yes. Oh my gosh. Wow. So amazing. Okay. So that, was that step one that we just talked about? Okay. Step one. Okay. What's step (laughs) two? (laughs) So step two is now we can go into setting intentions and more than just setting intentions, we want to set powerful intentions. So not just like, Oh, it would be nice to like maybe one day, but we want to be like really um, succinct about what we're calling in. And when you have done that that work initially of discovering who you are and what is important to you, then that means you can always check your intentions for integrity. Like this is, is this in alignment with me? Is this for me? Is this where I personally want to go? And if it's not, or if the wording feels slightly off, then you can just do a course correct so that you are actually setting those powerful intentions for yourself in the direction of your dreams rather than away from what you don't actually want. And I actually spoke about this on um, TikTok yesterday is that we want to be setting our intentions in the direction of our desires, not away from our fears. And what many people will do is like, we're setting these intentions. Like, I just want to get away from this place of pain. I just don't want to be boring anymore. I don't want to be broke anymore. I don't want to be attracting these kinds of people anymore. We don't focus enough attention on where we actually want to go. And, you know, going back to what we've been discussing about your subconscious mind is that your subconscious mind is going to focus on whatever you tell it to focus on. So if you're like, I want not a purple elephant to think about not wanting a purple elephant, you have to conjure up that image of, purple elephant in your mind to put the knot in front of it so you're still focusing on that situation you want to get away from all the time that isn't to say that you have to ignore previous um, events and experiences in your life but just focus on where you're going now bring that awareness to where you want to go that's ahead of you and so setting powerful intentions is a really enjoyable process and inside um, so I mainly teach clients inside a 12-month mastermind program and every single month we're going in with those intentions not just for the basis of this is what I want to manifest this month but let's reflect on the past month not from a place of judgment but like what resonated here what didn't resonate here what did I discover about myself here how is that going to affect the way that I'm manifesting for the month ahead and I don't think enough people bring that reflection process into manifestation as well they're just like oh it didn't work it's not happening as quickly as I wanted it to rather than like okay let's have a look at like what's actually going on inside of here like am I actually just being impatient or does something actually happen um so yeah that's that's setting those intentions and then Then how Sorry, one second. So yeah, how no, do ahead. you, first of all, what you said to um, create intentions towards your desires, not away from your fears. Wow. That is powerful right there. Like go back 30 seconds, everybody, and go back and listen to that. Cause that was amazing. Um, and so for when you said you're reflecting back on the month before, it's like, okay, it didn't happen. Let's reflect back. How do you recommend going or about that process again, in a way where you're not guilting and shaming, it's more of just a review of it. How do you, you know, how do you recommend or, or um, guide your clients kind of through that process? I think we have to look at the reason why guilt and shame are coming up to begin with. And maybe part of the reason behind this may be because you think that, 
some emotions or ways of being are better than others. And if that's something that you're noticing, that you're building those kinds of hierarchies with your emotions or with your output, then that's the reason why the guilt and shame is coming up. It's not actually whether you got the thing or you didn't get the thing. So addressing that is what you actually need to do rather than on a month to month basis. Like, how can I not feel guilt and shame around this? It's like, what are the underlying beliefs that are causing this guilt and shame? And that actually leads into the third point, which is energetic blocks and boundaries, which is you'll notice like, you're like, yes, I know I am. I know what I want to have. And then you'll have all of these like fears, all of these challenges, all of these doubts come up, um, which is actually quite a normal part of the process. And this is where we can look at the limiting stories, limiting beliefs, past experiences that Mm. were informing the person that we are today and peeling back those layers and, it's not that you'll get to a point in your life where you'll have no limiting beliefs ever. And that's not necessarily what we're working towards, but we're aiming to build a better relationship with the limiting beliefs. Like it's mm. called shadow work because these parts are, and if you consider your awareness to be like the light that there is called shadow work because your awareness isn't on those parts. So the aim isn't to like eradicate the shadows, but to integrate and be able to walk alongside with the light as well. So when we're wow. approaching our limiting beliefs, it's like, you know maybe this will this belief will be completely gone forever or maybe I'm going to set a higher goal next time and I'm going to have some feelings come up again so it's not about like oh why is this coming up again but it's like oh I see you I know what you are it's okay we're safe it's okay Mm -hmm. to go here and just to really be loving and compassionate to yourself because at the end of the day your subconscious mind is your inner child and we all want that sense of like comfort and even that reparenting whether you've had like a great childhood or not we still want to be held when we're older we just have like less opportunities to express that wow oh my gosh you are so incredible explaining all of this like thank you so much that was awesome I always hear and have probably said this too of getting rid of old beliefs and limiting beliefs. And I like that you just said, that's not really the goal or, you know, could happen, but it's really more so about walking with them and just acknowledging they're there and not choosing to listen to them, but also just knowing that that's your inner child coming in. So it's like, okay, like how can we get some compassion around it? Wow. That was amazing. Awesome. Okay. So what's number four? So number four is about the way that we take action and that's balancing your feminine and masculine energy. Mm. And you can think of your feminine more as the receiving, the intuitive, the flow, and the masculine is more of the hustle, the strategy, the giving, and what your relationship is inside of both of those. It's, It's very interesting to me that people talk so much about like manifesting your desires but not so much about receiving. And I think particularly for women, like you touched on earlier, mm-hmm. that can be very challenging. Like yes. it can be challenging for women to receive. And if you're like, no, if I got my million dollars, I would be so happy. Okay. When you last got a compliment, how did you receive that compliment? Were you yes. like, no, this is old or this, is no, <laughs> this old thing today. <laughs> like, how did you receive that? Or were you like, oh, thank you. I thought so too, you know? Like, yeah. In the small ways we receive, it mirrors the big ways that we receive too. So mm. um, kind of finding a sense of balance within those two and not necessarily being like a 50-50 of masculine strategy and a uh, feminine flow, but knowing like how do you act best? What feels best for you? How do you like to be guided? And some people are definitely more strategic and detail-oriented and that works really well for them. And some people are more of the flow and the intuitive. So it's about knowing what works best for you and you'll also notice that whichever one you find yourself primarily in you will gravitate to people who are um 
it's primarily in the opposite. So one of my best friends, Jen, she's like so much in her masculine when it comes to her business. Like she's like got meetings from like seven till seven in the evening. She works straight through. She's so energized through all of it. I'm like, I don't know how you do this. I love being around you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm the opposite energy. That's so good. You balance each other out. Yeah. So it's, it's, and then she'll come to me like, I'm I'm so stressed. Like, what should I do? What practices should I do? I'm like, okay, babes, you need to get yourself to an acupuncture. Just take a chill day. I can't take a day off the meat. No, just chill. Acupuncture is the answer to it all. Yeah. (laughs) It's so good. Like, oh, wow. It's it's honestly changed my life. Same. Okay. Amazing. So masculine, feminine energy. And, you know, just, so do you just recommend people getting kind of aware at first, if they haven't really tapped into it of when they're in the masculine, when they're in the feminine noticing like, Oh, wow, I'm actually always in the masculine. Maybe I should start, you know, receiving more or doing more for myself or, Oh, I'm always in the feminine. How can I get more strategy? Just kind of an awareness piece at first. Yeah. Just noticing like when you take action on things, like what is the way that you do that? And does it feel good? So Mm. for a lot of female entrepreneurs, and I know this was my experience is that I felt that I had to do business in a very masculine way. And although that didn't feel good, that's just what I thought I was supposed to do. And when I actually stopped to say like, is this serving me? I'm like, well, I'm burnt out. I'm basically crying every day. And also I'm not (laughs) making any money. So no, this isn't working for me. Um, So just taking that time to have the process of self-inquiry and knowing where you're actually at throughout all of these steps, not just this one is like checking in with yourself because at the end of the day, this is a framework for line manifestation. I'm not saying at each step, this is the practice that you need to do because we're also unique. So it's about helping you within these framework steps to craft your own unique manifestation blueprint. And also knowing that that's going to change as you evolve and change as the things that you're reaching for change as your seasons of life change. And that's a really beautiful process. I love it. Amazing. Okay. So that was it. There were five steps, right? So it's one more. Yes. Okay. What's the last one? The the final step drum roll is (laughs) surrender the how, and that's like, um, releasing, you know, I think it's important to make a plan and to have action steps and things that you're going to commit to doing, but also like be open to the universe pleasantly surprising you. And sometimes those surprises are not necessarily always going to be pleasant. Like you're like, (laughs) why is this happening? And then you zoom out and you're like, oh, like this wouldn't happen like this if that didn't go down. Wow. Um, So surrendering the how is about building that sense of trust and faith and knowing that through it all, you're supported. Even if things aren't going exactly as expected, you're supported. Even if like, you know, you feel like you're falling behind, you can still be held within that space. And it's about building your connection to the universe. And if you're religious, maybe this looks like building your connection to God, like whatever you feel most connected to, it's about building that relationship inside of that and releasing the need to control the details so much and just being present, just being Wow. I love that. And it's so true. If you think like, you know, hindsight's 2020, you're going through something that feels really shitty. And then when you can look back and you're like, oh, but that had to happen in order for this like beautiful blessing to come in. So, okay. Can you just do a quick roundup of each step, just like the title of it? So if someone's listening right now, they could just write it down and get a little recap. So first step V, embody the vibe of your higher self, what your values, vision, where you're going. Second step, I, setting powerful intentions, setting intentions in the direction of your dreams. And then we go into B, which is energetic blocks and boundaries. And we're looking at 
what's coming up for you after you've set those intentions, after you've decided who you want to be, working through those, um, and also making sure that you're being clear in what you're available for and not available for, which is kind of like the boundaries part that ties that in. Then we look at um, your masculine and feminine energy, which is E, balancing masculine and feminine energy, which is how you take action. If you hear people talking about inspired action, really that's the kind of balance between both the masculine and feminine Mm. and then s is surrender the how which is about building that sense of faith and trust and also like releasing the need to control every single detail of the outcome because you know you're always supported oh my gosh i love it what's the acronym what word did you use vibes vibes okay vibes oh my gosh i love that that is amazing okay everyone needs to write that down and get going on it start with step one You are such a wealth of knowledge and I love the way that you explain everything. And it's, you know, you have a beautiful blend of masculine and feminine energy. And I think it's, it's so refreshing to see such a flow of things, but also like, Hey, there's some action steps you have to take in order for this to happen. So, um, how can people work with you? How could people find you any resources you have? Like you are, this is one of my favorite conversations I've had on this podcast. I really loved it. So I really appreciate you being here. Um, so yeah, how could people work with you? All the things. Well, first of all, thank you. Let me just blow in this compliment. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, so on social media, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at afiaselta underscore. I have a podcast, the Manifest Edit podcast. And then I have a free training on the power of subconscious manifestation, which ties in a lot of the things that we spoke about today which you can check out at afiasalta.com forward slash freebie. And so the way that I typically work with my clients is inside a year-long mastermind um, called the Conscious Alchemy Mastermind. And it's about that transmutation of those emotions, of those beliefs to really come into that deeper alignment using the VISE method and helping you develop your unique blueprint for manifestation and for life. Oh my gosh. Incredible. I'll put all of that in the show notes. This mastermind, is that available to hop in at any point throughout the year? Yes. Yes. It's an open enrollment mastermind. So if you're interested in learning more about it, you can just pop me a DM on Instagram and I can answer any questions you have. Amazing. I'll put your Instagram in the show notes, your website, the freebie, your podcast, all that will be there. So please go check Afia out. She's so incredible. Is there anything else that you want to leave us with? Just not like your biggest tip, because that's very like, you know, that's too much pressure, but anything that you maybe want to leave with the audience today? Um, I think that, you know, we've, we've gone into a lot today. We talked about a lot of different areas. And if you feel like you're particularly far away from any of these areas, don't let that be like a reason to feel bad about yourself, but like an exciting step on your journey. And I find like every time I listen to a podcast episode, even if I'm listening to the same one over and over again, I take something different away from it each time. So just take what you need from it this time and then come back a few months later and see what else is resonating for you. Oh, thank you so much, Afia. You're amazing. I appreciate you. And thank you everybody for listening. Please go follow Afia. Check out her podcast. Check out everything. She's incredible. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you again for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. If you loved this episode and learned something valuable, please share it with a friend who you think would also love it or Post it on social media and tag me so I could personally say thank you for helping me spread this important message. I am beyond grateful to be here with you. So until next time, stay intentional, stay consistent, and always mind your hormones.